All right, college basketball fans, welcome to another episode of Mad About Hoops. I am Timmy Hall. I am talking to evil bald Colin, a.k.a. Colin Berenger, a.k.a. CB, a.k.a. Butler fan numero uno. <laughs> Colin, how are you doing back in the studio, buddy? I, um, you know, the so- the social I- isolation thing is getting to everybody in some way, shape, or form. I don't think it's fully set in yet. I don't think the season being done has fully set in yet. I don't know when that's going to be the case. Maybe it's the middle of the summer. But, um... No, I, I told you a couple weeks ago, when you came to me to make this out, start this podcast back in November, I never could have imagined this would have been the outcome. This is, let's explain to the podcast fans what happened here. Because if you look back in our feed, we, we'd we been rolling steady with an episode a week. You know, we, we had wanted to do more at times, but, you know, the everyday job sometimes gets in the way and, and has to take precedent. You know, this is something that we we started doing on the side and we, we've both really enjoyed it because this is sort of our release, our outlet to just crush college basketball talk when we can't just go, you know, 30, 45 minutes straight of, you know, outside of Columbus, Ohio basketball topics on our on our regular show, which is called the Buckeye Show. We keep it very Ohio State centric. But we did this last episode on March 12th, which will go down in the history books as being incredibly wild. And I'm glad that we did one there and we gave it the header, the most out of date podcast ever, because right after we sent the podcast away into the sphere, Everything changed, and that was the day where the tournament was canceled. And ever since then, I guess the best way to describe it, CB, is that really, really good This Is Sports Center commercial where they're getting ready for the year the, the year 2000, and Charlie Steiner has the tie like wrapped around his head, and Mark McGuire is beating computers with a baseball bat, and Steiner just says, follow me, follow me to freedom. That's what our building was like ever since that day for the next week and you could probably tell i am not sitting with with cb anymore i am at my home uh, all of our all of our everyday hosts at the fan were instantly sent packing sent away to minimize people in the building we're down to five bodies that have to go into the radio station and unluckily cb is one of them <laughs> so that's that's why we're here that's why it's march 30th and we're just now getting to say our final goodbyes and have that real talk about the season. That's that's, that's one of the things it that it's been hard to digest is that we had that coach on who's part of an automatic qualifying team, which you don't know if they're going to make it year in and year out. And he's kind of right, on Mike edge. Fairley and not, from e- not even an hour later, the world comes crashing down in terms of their world and what it could mean for their postseason play. It's just, it's so hard. And didn't we... F- yeah, yeah, and didn't we find out that it was his team? It was their championship game in the CAA where the referee so, tested positive? I thought originally that was the case. No, I guess it was a, a referee that did some of the first-round games, and they actually didn't play oh, in the game. okay, still. But um, no, still, it just showed you how much was actually going on that I don't think we really even fully understood at the time of what was going on in the realm of the sport and what was to come after that day. All right, so CB says he's got a surprise for us. We're going to get this thing. Well, we've already started, but we'll keep this ball rolling. This will be sort of the farewell to the 2019 
2020 college basketball season officially mad about hoop style. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He hit it! He hit it! He hit it! He hit it just inside of half court! Lane's on the other wing. He finds oh! 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 Sent it in, Jerome! <laughs> College basketball! This is March Madness! I figured because we're not going to get our one shining moment, cry. I feel like we had to artificially create our one shining moment. Colin, that is fantastic. The is oh, the ball is tipped. And I don't even know if I'm syncing up with the words because there might be a delay. Yeah, there is a little bit of a delay. But since I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but you can forgive me for that. That is fantastic. Thank you for the one shining moment. We know there's a one shining podcast, or is is it still one shining podcast? No, they had to change the name because they were part of the Ringer, and now they're That's right. part of Fox, I believe now. That's right. But either way, what a what a clever little twist there. I love how you had the record sound effect skipping <laughs> right into it. I I have actually enjoyed seeing all the different. Yes. Basketball fans on social media and on YouTube creating sort of their own teams. One shining moment. That's really cool. The the more of that that can be done, the better. I mean, as we kick it off, man, this this season, it's it's historical. It's the it's the only one since the early 40s when it was Ohio State and Oregon in the championship game. Ducks beating the Buckeyes. Not a World War Two. Not Vietnam, uh, not Korea, nothing. Nothing has, not the Cold War, nothing has ever stopped the NCAA tournament from happening until coronavirus does in 2020. And, And I was just looking back at the story today, how March 10th was when I found a clipping of the NCAA and Gavitt saying and announcing, not only are we still full go, we're having the fans. I mean, literally, they said yep. full go for the tournament. And it wasn't two days later on March 12th where it was full stop. So I, the, the first thing It just thing tells you how I fast. Think of, I think one of the things we don't or we kind of over exaggerated. It feels like days were becoming years at that point. But it really just in a 48 hour stretch like that, so many things changed. You know, there was talks about playing without yeah. fans, the conference tournaments playing without fans. Then it was the tournaments getting canceled. And then eventually there was all that pressure put on them that it seemed like a week, but 48 hours later, they canceled that baby. I'll ask you first thing that that you think of when when you come to the realization and I know it's been a few weeks now, but when you came to the realization that this thing was done, the first thing for me is how, and I got the phone going off. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Shut up. Gosh. It's a North Carolina number, so I don't know what that means. Maybe uh, it's Gre- the Greensboro Coliseum calling. But Maybe Montross I, is calling you back. 
Maybe Eric Montross <laughs> has given us a callback, one of the early guests on the podcast. Very good. But I am actually excited and thinking about Selection Sunday, March 14th next year. That is my first thought when I went through all of the emotions and everything of the tournament being axed. I cannot imagine what the celebration is going to be like next year when we resume this thing. That's what I look at first. Oh, I'm I'm 100% with you there. I think one of the biggest things I love about this sport is the tradition behind it. It's something I don't know if the NBA can necessarily compete with. So we're essentially we got stripped but from one of the biggest traditions we have out there, which is the Selection Sunday show, and then those Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday stretch, that four-day stretch of the first and second rounds. I mean, you're going to go another calendar year just yearning for that. It just When it first happened, that's kind of the first thing that set in. I know a lot of other fans were thinking about their teams then, but I'm just a fan of the sport. I know I have to wait another calendar year for that to happen. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think with with this thing getting so real so quickly, I'm pretty sure, like, we're still living through when the tournament would be appearing, but pretty much after, after that Thursday, after the Thursday that would have been, like you mentioned, one of the greatest days in sports where you get the 12 hours of basketball, I haven't really been overly depressed again and again and again and again. Have you? Like, it it kind of wore off on me because we knew what we were up against. Yeah, I, I think it was because it's something that's completely, well, depending on how you look at it, but it was kind of out of our control in that moment. I think it was kind of something that set in easier. While it doesn't feel well, it kind of, you know, I don't know how else to put it. It was just it was something we couldn't control so you just accepted the fate of it. Right. Yeah, we couldn't. We couldn't do anything about it. And I I just I really, really have have spent some time imagining the joy and the celebration of when we get this thing back next year. Because no matter what, this event, March Madness, will be the thing that really gets circled and highlighted in the history books for sporting events. The NBA might have postponed and suspended their season that got the ball rolling and then everybody really followed suit with what they did and how they reacted. But this being March and this being the event that takes over the entire calendar month and even fans, even sports fans that aren't really big college basketball fans, people that might not be checking into our podcast every single week, they jump into the party because there's nothing else like it. With bracket pools, with player pool drafts, with all the games that go along with it, everyone is watching and having fun. And for this thing to get canceled first up, it will always be remembered. March 12th, 2020, the day the NCAA tournament died. And, you know, I... I look I look at so many other things as we as we continue the Associated Press, you know, first first team and the player of the year which went to Obi Toppin, which I think you and I were a little surprised that he edged out Luca Garza and well, of course I was the just surprised he was fallen. Yeah, go I ahead. was just surprised he was the only unanimous player on that first team. Yeah, that is like how could how could Luca have not been a unanimous player? I at the very least. If you find an answer, you might as well tell me because I, there's a lot of things surrounding Luca Garza I don't understand. First off, he's on ESPN rated as the 84th overall prospect for the draft coming up. I thought yeah, for sure he yeah, was going to be a surefire, that? gone and don't look back type of player. And supposedly Caleb Weston, I love him, but he's 30 spots ahead of him on that same list. 
<laughs> right. I don't. I don't get I, I don't, it. But it's just like it's just. I don't know. Some of these lists and some of these picks and selections and whatnot have kind of confused me. But I think they overall got the list right, no matter what. Yeah, the the list is for me. It's close to being right, and that that is amazing that you mentioned. Check out ESPN's top one hundred on uh, their NBA draft. It, it's not a mock draft. It's just their top one hundred prospects. And there wasn't a single Big Ten player. Like NBADraft.net, for instance, has Oturu, the talented big from Minnesota, even though Minnesota wasn't very good, but yet they're they're still gladly having Richard Pitino back for another year. <laughs> he was number eight in NBADraft.net in their mock. And Oturu and ESPN's big board wasn't until the late 30s, that's, I, I want to say. That's ridiculous. And Cassius was, Cassius was the highest-rated Big Ten player at like twenty nine, I love so Cassius, but you, can, you can't do that. You can't do that. I, 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 don't lo- think I love so. him, but he's yeah. not the best prospect. I I don't think so either. And I think Tillman was one of the second you know, highest rated prospects in the Big Ten. That's just crazy for that conference to be so good and to not have anyone ranked that high. It does it does tell you a little bit of how different the games are. And I agree with that. Oh, they yes. are really different games. You could be a star in college hoops and be pretty much nothing in the NBA. Like, that can happen a lot. But, you know, Luca Garza, Marcus Howard, Miles Powell, Peyton Pritchard, and Obi Toppin, congrats to those guys, the first-team All-Americans for this year. We get to have the teams because we basically had all the season, all of the season except the tournament. So they, they should have voted on those. I'm glad that they did it. The only difference I would have had is you and I were arguing over a couple of spots. We were a little bit different in our teams. I had Luca, Obi, Doke, Yudoka Azabuki from, mm-hmm. from KU who wound up being on the second team. I had Cassius in the first team and I was all in on Peyton Pritchard. I was surprised you didn't have Peyton Pritchard. You were a big fan of the Ducks. Yeah, so my so on, I was uh, flip-flopping. Your first team. Yeah, I was going in between him and uh, Winston because I also had Marcus Howard on there, Powell. I had Obi Toppin and then I had the volume uh, guys. Yes, and then Garza. So I only missed one on that, but I just felt like Winston is more valuable to what his team success was and where they were in the season or what they were going to be. I think I was kind of projecting of what they were going to do in the tournament, honestly, because I didn't. I picked Oregon at the beginning of the year, but I didn't believe them going long term. Uh, but I don't think you could have gone wrong either way. I, I think there's just some things I prefer from Winston over Pritchard. By the way, if you have enjoyed the content that we've given you and you've got some other friends in your crew that you know are diehard college basketball fans, slide them the name of this podcast, Mad About Hoops. Tell them they can access it on their phone, computer, in the car, any any single place, all of the major platforms that host podcasts. We should be there. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. We should be in there, mad about hoops. We're not done with this. This is just the farewell for the 2019-20 season. We were really excited about what we did, and we can't wait until there's more news and more announcements about the season, and then we can get on here periodically and uh, get some things well, done in the off season. I mean, not when to, stuff not pops up. Not to interrupt you here, but I mean, there's just we're doing this on the Monday, the 30th, and we're supposed to be getting a ruling on the spring sports voting today. And I, I think also winter sports was tied into that. But I think we've all kind of just come to the assumption at this point that it's just not going to happen in terms for the winter sports, that that just is out the window and we just got to move on from that. Yeah, there's some thoughts on that. Why don't we take a a very quick breather and address that because it doesn't look good and that's a real shame. So we'll have some more on that. You guys are listening to Mad About Hoops. (laughs) 
So right as we left you, we started a conversation about the eligibility voting process that's going underway with the NCAA. The focus is around the spring sports, yeah. but there is actually, they were saying that the winter sports was going to be up for debate, although I think you and I just mentioned right before that we expect that to fail. Yeah, and so why, why, if you've got a better grasp on this than me, I'm reading from Dennis Dodd from CBSSports.com. It says financial concerns and other potential implications yep. make the eligibility vote far from guaranteed. And no, 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 no. This is not talking about winter athletes who these poor seniors who are done and they dream. They play basketball their entire lives. Some of them dreaming of getting their one shining moment like you gave us in the great <laughs> show open today. Not talking about the winter athletes. We're talking about some of the spring athletes that didn't get an entire season. Now they're saying that vote is not a slam dunk. Where CB, that should be a total slam dunk that the spring athletes get extra eligibility. What is the issue here? See, I agree with you, but I think you kind of nailed it on the head when you started the con the discussion of what you read from Dennis Dodd because I've read the same thing from Nicole Auerbach, who uh, also covers college athletics for, I believe, The Athletic, if I'm correct. But um, That's right. She, yeah, she formerly USA Today. Yeah, yeah. She pretty much said that because of the the amount of money that costs to run these sports, and you know, I saw something about the NCAA's cutting back on distributions to Division One schools right now because they just cannot afford to give out what they usually give to these schools. It causes a lot of issues to for the money for these non-revenue sports to provide for them going forward. It's hard for their budgets going forward to commit to making an extra add-on to scholarships. Uh, that's pretty much how I interpreted it. It's a real bummer. And, and you know oh, what I awful. think of, and, and I'm seeing here I'm seeing here in the middle of the article, Colin, that a lot of that talk was before the announcement of a 60% shortfall in annual NCAA revenue distribution to member schools. And I, I guess there were some things that we were still looking for answers for and you and I are not financial guys and we're not tied <laughs> no. in like that so we would still be we would still be wondering you would think that there has to be insurance policies and possibly on both sides both for the NCAA and for the TV networks because the NCAA tournament i mean you're talking a billion you're talking multi billion dollar mm -hmm. TV contract i mean it was it was probably somewhere in the you know, twelve to sixteen billion range. Sure. The last contract that was signed by Turner, I believe it. So they did have what, what, what I read back then is they actually had a some type of rainy day fund for for the tournament to cover the cost. But obviously, that's going to hurt mm. you on the back end. But I did read that. Yeah, but I, it kind of brings up what we're hearing about, and, and I'm kind of with the people that say, you know, where are all the owners in this? I keep seeing all of these individual athletes ponying up. You know, million dollars here, five million mm -hmm. here if you're Drew Brees, which is an amazing gift, you sure. know, to to give the community. And and it's not like there hasn't been any of the owners, but you know, Mark Cuban was one of the first guys to come right out, and I think the Cavs were a, were were an organization that said that too. They were going to put together a fund to pay their staffers and all the arena workers, where there are you know thousands of these people that work the games. But you mean to tell me? that we can't come up with a solution where we can modify the scholarship limits for one year, even if you give these students an opportunity to pay their own way, but still have a, a year of eligibility where they can compete because I'm not going to say they've been cheated, but 
it's been you know outside forces have stolen a year the the final year in this case of what we're talking about of collegiate eligibility you will never ever get this back but leave it to the NCAA who has crushed it financially forever and you mean to tell me that for one year they can't finance this operation to save it for all these spring athletes I just I think that's a crock yeah CB I, I do I completely agree with you I don't I can't speak for a lot of the sports in the spring season, but I can just say I know for a fact, and I know people within the college baseball realm of things and how they work scholarships, and it's more of like on a percentage basis, so they'll give out like half scholarships. So sure, they can't even is. give out full scholarships to these players. If you're not even committing fully to these kids when they're already in a normal season, like can you at least like I don't know if it's like 19 and a half, but can you bump it up to like? 25 and a half or 24 and a half something like that yeah i just don't know how the money works or if if they can why aren't they just going ahead with it i think once we figure out the ruling on this those kind of little details are going to come out with it no it's a good point that that you make that most of those spring athletes they're not getting full scholarships anyway and i'm sure there's a lot of them that don't get any scholarships i think it's the love of the game the joy of the game for them I mean, if you have well-to-do parents and you can afford to keep to, to stay in school, if you're going to get that extra year of eligibility, I would gather a lot of those spring non-revenue Olympic sports athletes would take it, would take that deal, and they could start working on a on a grab program, and maybe they get, like you said, some kind of of a financial relief to keep going at it. But that's that's something that we'll watch. You know, it, it might it's like you said, it might be coming down the vote on that today. And sucks for the winter athletes, really does, because they might have finished 97% of their season, but you know, we're here in Columbus, Ohio, and for a guy like Andre Wesson, for the heart and soul that he poured into the Buckeye basketball team and so many other men's and women's college basketball players like him, it's, it's a shame. But Colin, moving on here. A lot has a lot has been changing as we go into the off season. We don't know, you know, when we're going to get back to it. There's there's an interesting article from Matt Norlander that you guys should check out on CBSSports.com again about like the recruiting cycle. But there's there's also a few coaches that have been switching up. And as you told me, I was stuck on uh, Bryce Drew popping up <laughs> at Grand Canyon. And that's the place that Dan Marley departed. And I was forgetting the biggest name of all that has jumped back into college basketball. Well, it happened so fast, no pun intended, but Rick Patino got back into the college game about as fast as you could. And he did did it under the radar. And it's people were surprised that he picked Iona of all places. Like the rumors started coming out. I saw Goodman tweet out, you know, rumors are that he's getting ready to accept this offer with Iona. And then like five minutes later, Iona posted it as official. Um, I, I did hear he actually has an apartment near the university, which is why he actually chose the location. But if you would have asked me a couple of years ago, when he left Louisville to went and work overseas over in Greece, when he came back to the States, what school he would pick, I thought maybe of like a little bit lower school, maybe of like a small power five or maybe a higher mid-major. But Iona was not on the mm-hmm. list of that. But Iona is also a very good mid-major. It sounds perfect for him. You know what? If It really does. If you can think back to the way that Larry Brown kept hanging around, you know, a guy that coached at every single level, the dude just took 
any and every job that was within an arm's length of him. And that that seems a little bit like what Rick Pitino is doing to, to write his Brown, final chapters. Brown, like Larry Brown going also, to SMU, you know? <laughs> Brown also left a lot of baggage behind it everywhere he went. Sure. Yeah, they're, they're very similar in that regard. And so Rick Pitino going to a mid-major school like Iona in New York, in the Northeast, it, it seems just... It seems exactly like the place that Rick Pitino would land. And yes, there's going to be a tremendous buzz around that program. The local buzz that's going to be there for Iona basketball is going to be ridiculous. I have got to address, though, how about some of those comments that came out from Slick Rick? You talk about <laughs> a true sociopath, someone that says, you know what, I did, looking back on all of it, and how he was the one big fish that they fried in the shoe scandals and everything like that. Sure. He said, you know what, I deserved it. I deserved to be fired. Oh, well, what, are you admitting that there was some wrongdoing? Oh, no, no, no. I didn't do anything wrong. Never did anything wrong, but I deserved to be fired because I was the king of the castle, and, I, and I, I steered the ship. That was amazing to me. And you got to also love the fact that uh, he really stuck the knife in and twisted it. In, this, in the same breath of how he deserved to be fired... He says that John Calipari is the smartest guy ever because he never left the Kentucky job, and I was an idiot for leaving that to go to the NBA. What a deal that must be for the Louisville fans. And how I should have never left the Kentucky the Kentucky job in the first place. What a gem Rick Pitino is. Oh, he, he's very he, he's slick for a reason. I mean, he 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 will sweet talk you into liking them again. And I'm sure he's going to get an Iona team that makes a run. Wins the I think it's the MAC or the MIAC. I I no, it's the MAC. The the you mid think the MAC. It's the Mid Atlantic. You, you got to draw it out. Yes. Um, no, he's going to get the team. Mac. They're going to run. They're going to be like a 13 seed and beat a four seed. And then he's going to get a ton of buzz. And then he's going to go to a school like. Central Florida and the American, and then work his way back up. But uh, no, it's everything I could imagine and more with Rick coming back, and he hasn't even played a game yet. The uh, the other thing that I wanted to to hit on here was the coach that we talked about in the first episode, I believe, <laughs> and you had a wild take. And I was always a huge fan of this dude, much like you are a huge fan and you've latched on to Butler. There was always, you know, that that adoration for Butler with Brad Stevens. And we actually just heard the 2010 National Championship game on our airwaves in Columbus over the weekend. But Shaka Smart and when he had VCU role and I had a front row seat, as everybody did. But I I was on the side of the Kansas Jayhawks having gone to school there and VCU knocked them out, kept the Jayhawks from going to another Final Four back there. And he gets the Texas job, which was which was surprising to me that he left VCU for the Texas job because I thought that he could have maybe not had the exact same switch that Brad Stevens did. That was just remarkable to go from Butler to the Boston Celtics. But I thought that Shaka was getting the, the bumped-up salary and getting the facilities upgraded in, in Richmond there where he could have gone somewhere bigger. And it has not gone well for him at all, but he did do enough. He did just enough to buy him another year, as the Texas Athletics Director says that Shaka is going to return as the Longhorns coach. So he might be more in that Richard Patino boat, but CB, he at least is moving on with Texas. I don't understand this. 
I kind of predicted this outcome for his team this year uh, because I made the wild assumption that he would go back to Dayton or he would go and take the Dayton job and then face VCU every year. But um, that's not obviously going to happen at this point because they have what the happened eight, to Dayton's coach. I this mean, year. They, they only have the A10 co- or the Associated Press coach of the year. But um, I don't. I don't understand this for both sides. I didn't originally understand it for Shaka Smart when he took the job because I get it. Texas has all the resources. It has everything you could want. But historically, it's not really a program. I don't. He's turned down jobs in the past, and I didn't think that was going to be the one he jumped at. And then on the other side, I don't know what Texas is waiting for. Like He's not killing it in recruiting. He's not using the resources to the best of his ability, and they're losing 12, 13 games every year. And oh, by the way, it's in a Big 12 that, you know, for the most of this year, it was really down. And if it wasn't for a late run at the end of the season, I think they won like three of their last five, they would have had a losing record in the conference, and he would have been out of the job yeah. at that point. I don't see yeah. it. No, it's. I don't think there's going to be success in the future for him. I think next year will be his last year in Austin. Has not won. I don't. He might have won a first four game, but he has not been past the round of 64, and he has not won more than 21 games. And they were the NIT champs last year, and that got them to 21 and 16. So the big, it's like you said, the Big 12 record is miserable. It's for me. He he would have to have an incredible season next year. Like, you you win in the tournament. You would have to win in the tournament. Top three finish. To keep yeah, your job. yeah, top three finish in the Big Not 12. Not just get and to the I, tourney. I think s- round of 32, is that enough? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. that, well, minimum, minimum, okay. Colin. He would at least have to get to the round of 32 because you haven't been there before. So if you take a step and you go to a place that you've never been before, maybe we can think about it and look at some of the other factors, but you talk about a guy that is living on the edge and and I'm blown away because the style and his panache and just his attitude and his presence, he really seemed like the it coach. I think he was. He was the it coach. What he did at VCU, that I mean that's like an unparalleled mid-major run. He was at 26 wins or more for six straight seasons, winning in the tournament every year, got to a Final Four. He did, he did so much more at VCU. It's, it's a classic example of the grass isn't always greener on the other side. It is a classic case of that, and we see it all the time in college basketball. I got one more thing, CB, and then uh, anything else you got to say before we wrap. I was just going back to that little thing I mentioned in Matt Norlander's column where he was talking about how coaches all over the place are bracing for big changes coming in recruiting. And these are things that the councils are still deciding on because we keep going into these months where there's the moratorium and you're not allowed to be face-to-face and it's all Zoom and it's all FaceTime, but there's only so much you can do. Like I heard in his article, an ACC coach is saying, well, goodbye Peach Jam, which is one of the biggest recruiting events that you have in a year. And the summer is so big, and it's starting to look just today. I heard uh, Virginia's shutdown was initially set for June. So that kind of scares some people to hear that the stay-at-home order for some states is going into June already to start. But there's a lot of concern that FaceTime and Zoom only does so much, and you can't get to know these kids. And for the, the coaches that didn't move early on the 2021 prospects where the new rule allowed juniors to get on campus, mm-hmm. this could be a pretty big deal. And I I wasn't really there at first, but I'm, I'm kind of with them. And the lack of practicing, 
affecting the quality of the game when we get back to it, that's a thing that's on the coaches' minds too, CB. Yeah, I, I think with basketball, it's very unique because their early signing periods right there, I, I believe it's like late September, early October. I could be wrong, but it's a lot earlier than what you can expect for football when they do it in December. So you're already hearing about football debating on moving their early signing period away for the year and just doing the one in February. If if you actually keep this early signing period going for the basketball teams and schools, it's I don't really know how they're going to be able to do that effectively because you can't get in front of these kids like I don't good for Holtman and he's already got guys lined up in that class already that he's got ready to go I right. think I think he yep. get, get maybe one or two more guys for that class but for a school that's maybe unfortunate they don't have a player committed in that class yet it's gonna be a little bit more difficult for them to pull in those players you got to do away with that early signing period and, and the other thing that was that was really interesting is the fact that high school basketball could become king again. I've always been a proponent of that anyway. You know, I've got an eight-year-old son. You know him. You play a lot of Fortnite with him. And whenever I, whenever it gets time to compete at that bigger level, you know, for sports, I, I've always just had the dream that I wouldn't have to put my kid into all of the travel ball that goes around. I just, I can't think of why high school sports wouldn't ever be enough with the way that we have highlight videos at our disposal that you can put together. I mean, shoot, still for football, half of the highlight videos that I watch for football recruits still comes from their high school competition. Why it has to change so drastically for basketball is beyond me. But with everything being canceled in the summer, and with the recruiting cycle getting pushed back and back and back, they make the point there that high school gyms might be packed and loaded with college scouts because if it gets going in the fall, and we hope it will, that's going to be really the next spot that these guys will get to see these prospects yeah, in live action. Yeah, you make a good point. So the AAU circuit's very easy for coaches to go see players in a big group. They're also playing some of the better competition, so that also helps for their evaluations. Yeah. But it's scummy, though. It's, uh, it's not foolproof i mean we've seen guys and i know it doesn't always work out to the case of where aaus where you find out about guys i'm finding out about guys in college the high school game right now with i know we had zach flair on our buckeye show he was talking about des watson here in columbus that goes to st francis de sales and then sean jones who goes to gahanna mm -hmm. those are players that i more recognize with their high school game versus i don't even know what they're doing aau wise yeah it's gonna be like it's gonna be off the grid for maybe some of these coaches and they're going to have to do more traveling, which puts more expenses on them. That's okay, I guess. But I don't think it's really that much of a deterrent for them. And it's actually, it turns out to be very good for us because we're going to have really good environments for those games. Well, evil, that's all I got. I guess the, the last little thing I'd like to say is I want, I want my big college basketball apology and sympathy to go to the Dayton Flyers <sighs> program. We talked about an awful yeah. lot and, you feel for him. Guys, I mean, there's a lot of the other schools up at the top. I mean, San Diego State was having a heck of a year, too, and schools that you don't typically expect to see here. But for Dayton to have a year like that and with Obi Toppin gone, I just feel so bad for them. Really do. Yeah, that's a team. I don't want to put Baylor in that category yet because I think they're actually going to have a better year next year with all their guys coming back. True. Um, yep. You know, there's some hit or misses. I know Butler had a pretty decent year. They're actually they're probably going to go down with now Jordan Tucker. He's entering the draft process. They're going to be losing a lot of guys there. 
Uh, Seton Hall losing all those seniors. I think we we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Romaro Gill, guys like that, and Powell. That team is going to take a step back next year, and that's unfortunate that we didn't get to see them at their peak because the only time we really got to see that team play on the biggest stage in the tournament, they lost to that Wofford team. You good, buddy? Well, we got a long way to go. We got almost a full calendar year, but I, I think that buzz of you know reading that first Lunar Dog update for the Bracketology next year, I think it's just going to cause so much more anticipation for what's coming down the line. I can't wait. Man, well, we will we will see you guys when we see you. We will talk to you when we talk to you next. We'll we'll keep our ears open. We'll uh, try to get on here whenever whenever the schedule allows us to and if we get some major updates with things happening in recruiting or when we know things are going to resume and pick up, we'll we'll be here. We had a lot of fun. We had a blast doing this and Again, uh, tell all your friends because we're definitely going to come back and keep rocking this thing. And next college basketball season, if we thought that we were living in one that could have been the wildest and wackiest we've ever seen, just wait till next year when we're going to be steamrolling for an NCAA tournament. The Virginia Cavaliers getting to hold the national championship longer than anyone ever has. And good for them since it's all started with them losing to a 16 seed. But CB, uh, you can you can send it away, my man. That's that's all I wanted to say. It's been a blast doing it with you. Yeah, Tim, it's been great. I can't wait for what holds for us going forward. Like you said, we might come back on with more updates if things present themselves. I don't. I, there's a lot of summer basketball stuff we can get into at some point, whenever that comes down the line. But just that anticipation for what's coming next year, I think, is what can keep all of us. You know, we can sleep well at night knowing that next year, when we get to that selection Sunday, it's gonna be all worth it. It's mad about hoops, everybody. Take it easy.